Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, which is now just myself and Ezzie Ginsberg. But it wasn't just going to be the two of us. We are going to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, myself, Chuck Hellebuck. Ezzie Ginsberg. Is, it wasn't just going to be the two of us. We are. Oh, we got be some joined. reverb there, but uh, okay, hold on there. Myself, Chuck Hellebuck. <laughs> I'll mute Chuck's mic for a second while he gets his, he's got some reverb there. He's got our audio there, but okay, hold on. I'll unmute now, Chuck. I'll mute Chuck's mic for a second he's got some reverb there. He's got our audio there, but well, that's uh, Chuck Hellebuck who's working on, oh, hold on, let's see. There we go. There we okay. go. The international influencer himself. <laughs> now we're good. Now we are good. <laughs> Sorry about Chuck, that. It happens okay. all the time. All good, Chuck. I was watching on my phone, and then it popped up on here, and I forgot I had it on my phone. <laughs> well, we're happy to welcome you to your first appearance on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the international influencer. Let's start with that, Chuck. The uh, You got that title on the dad's trip. I was in the arena for when they put you up on the screen, and I, I, it got a lot of play on social media. So what does it mean to set of Let's start with that. Get, getting that recognition. Obviously, you're a very successful YouTuber with your channel, so... Uh, we could probably learn a few things from you in that regard, but just, you know, getting that recognition and having fun with the Jets fans and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that just was uh, a, a surprise to me. It was kind of a, uh, know, it's kind of a joke, I guess, from the media guys or whatever, but you know, the whole thing started, um, you know, when you're telling us when you're doing YouTube videos or whatever, you're, you're telling a story really. That's, mm -hmm. that's all it's really doing, whether it's a technical story or whatever. Um, so when I, this is my third dad trip. And so I was a little, you know, a lot more comfortable and, and I wanted to really tell the story behind the scenes of what a grind, you know, it is, I know they're paid well and everything, but it's such a grind that, you know, you're going from the bus to the plane, to a bus, to the hotel, you're getting there at two o'clock and one o'clock in the morning, and, you know, and then, then you may take a bus to the rink and, you know, practice or whatever. And then, um, then a bus to the game. And then after the game, you're bus to the <laughs> plane and next one. And I'm like, you know, I, I got to show some behind the scenes here and, and show what's going on. So I just started posting. And plus I wasn't putting out content on my channel. So I'm like, well, the people who follow me, you know, may wonder what the heck I'm doing. So I said, I'll just post it out there on Twitter. And, uh, it took off. <laughs> it just literally took off. And uh, I guess it was telling a decent story because people were following it. And then I, you know, throw a little, you know, comedy in there. I tried to anyway, if you know, nobody, <laughs> no dad's eating the salads, you know, and, uh, it, it was just fun. Cause I watched it. I had a bullet, you know, nice salad. Kreb, Kreb, Kreb does a great job. He's, yeah, he's he's good he takes care of everything. And uh, I just watched that salad not get touched while everyone's eating the burgers and the ribs and everything else. <laughs> okay, well, I got to post that. So, absolutely love that. I mean, your your content is awesome. And obviously, I was going to say with the last name Hellebuck, everybody here in Manitoba. I mean, people are just going to love anybody with the last name Hellebuck, right? Because obviously, your son is such a, a not only a, a, an amazing goaltender but a, a great person. And wanted Thank to you. ask you about Wednesday night. Uh, Connor got the shutout. It was only 17 saves, but I mean, he still had to make some big saves and a shutout is a shutout, right? And I saw you tweet that, uh, you know, you can say the word now uh, because obviously there's the uh, jinx factor, but I wanted to ask you like, like on a, on a kind of game by game basis, not when you're on the road with the team, but when you're just watching uh, at home back in Michigan, like, do you text Connor usually after a, a win or a big shutout or how does that work? Do you wait until the next day? Like, how does that work with, kind of how you you talk to Connor, like, do you give him a little bit of space or do you text him right after the game's over and say, nice shutout, son? 
It, it depends. First of all, it was 16 saves because Shifley got the 17th. So, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's right. So I did text him about that. He's, um, but no, it's I when he first started out, I would text him just you know kind of give encouragement and uh, just give some you know dad feedback. But it, it pretty quickly, um, you know, I knew shut up. You know, <laughs> let him, let him do his thing, and then uh, uh, you know now now it's kind of I text it when. I feel I need to or want to, or just I'll text them, you know, how the kid's doing or uh, just non-hockey stuff, you know, just because uh, uh, he gets enough hockey stuff as it is. And then, you know, I want to know what's going on with the family, you know? So, um, so it's a mixed bag now. Um, he don't, I mean, he, he didn't need my help at, at all initially. He's not learning anything from me, but uh, I'm just there as a dad to say, Hey, Keep going, kid, and chase the dream, and I get a front row seat. You know, Chuck, that's and I've heard, I've watched your interviews when you did it with Huss, and I saw, you know, some of the other conversations you've had. So we know that you know the background, but maybe you could share with our audience the the idea of the Hellebuck family and how um, impactful hockey was to you uh, growing up. And and in Michigan, obviously, there's a there's a huge hockey community. So what was that like for you? Um, we we weren't that much of a hockey family. Um, that's why he, he had such an unorthodox way to get there because we didn't know, we didn't know the path, you know. Uh, I raced stock cars, you know, when I was his age, um, just amateur stuff and uh, go karting. My my wife's dad raced motorcycles and stuff, so our plan was I was going to take the kids go karting and we were going to race go karts. You know, that was the plan. And then his brother um, was a really good hockey player, just didn't quite get the break, so he was a natural on skates. So. At, you know, two, he's skating around in my uh, rollerblades that come up to his knees. So he's he's just skating around the basement. And um, Connor just instantly went to net. So they would just, you know, shoot and do one-on-ones all the time. But it, it really started my brother, my older brother, six years older, his his son, which, uh, I don't know, so he was 11 years old. And they had a birthday party. They had a street hockey. He eventually played some hockey, ice hockey himself. But that's how it started. We'd have this annual street hockey game um on his birthday and then the boys just watched and wanted to be part of it and they started in roller and then eventually went to ice but that's really what sparked it um my brother was a red wing season ticket holder and uh um we all kind of followed we all watched hockey but it was you know wasn't part of it i played basketball you know it's i i could barely i had to learn to skates to help coach them so that's how bad i was well, it sounds like the the Hellebuck family is a multi-sport family, right? Like it sounds like everybody uh, in your own family had their own specialties, right? And, yeah. I, and I wanted to ask you about Connor obviously has a, a lot of confidence and that's something that's been, I, I don't think you can be the best goaltender on the planet. And I am saying it, Chuck, he is the best goaltender on the planet. I'm not saying he's one top three. Uh, I'm going to throw out Vesna Buck right now. <laughs> but I mean, where do you think that confidence come from, comes from? Is that something that, you know, Connor always had at an early age? Because like you said, it was a bit of an unorthodox um, route. Like it was clear that when the Jets drafted him, even though he was a fifth round pick, it was clear that Connor was going to get to the NHL. He, his numbers at UMass Lowell were phenomenal. And then he was good in the American Hockey League. But going back to that confidence, because that seems like that's always been a real strength of Connor's. Yeah, I, I think it just comes from playing. You know, um, and and then just uh, the, the our family in general. You don't want to play monopoly with us. You don't want to play risk with us. We're we're, we're not good losers. Um, we're competitive as can be, and 
it's it's horrible i we can't have we did a family uh uh fantasy football and we had to quit because it was it was getting too nasty and so so from a competitive point of view yeah and sports wise my wife was an athlete i was an athlete uh you know it goes it just in all different sports right so it's so it's there in the genes i guess but um when they were younger i i brought home the the movie the the secret uh, based on the book, The Secret. And it's really just, you know, the power of positive thinking. And and really what I, the whole idea behind it was, I've always believed, do what you can, do the best you can and achieve what you want. You know, it's it's not going to be easy. It's, it's you're going to have to work for it. But if you really want it, you can get it. And life's just going to throw a bunch of crap in your way, you know, but um, you got to want it. And that was kind of the message. Well, he took it to heart. Like, I couldn't even believe his, his brother did too. His brother started to internet business in the basement he was a junior in high school and he still runs that business it's you know it supports him and his family and um, now he's chasing the dream to become a professional bass fisherman so um so so it runs in there but connor from early on just he, he i gave him a uh, cork board it says put in the center of that cork board your idea and just you know focus on it and it was goalie you know and the, the scariest moment i think in some respects from a parent is he was uh, he was head, entering high school uh, I told him, I said, you know, because he would skate out during the spring and and, and that. So I wanted to see the other side of the puck and have fun. But uh, I said, you know, kind of decide. And he goes, well, I want to be a goalie. And uh, but I told him both. I said, have a backup plan. And Chris's was the business. Well, Chris Connor told me to my face is dead. I don't have a backup plan. I go, that's it's OK. It takes time. He goes, no, no, no. You understand. I don't want a backup plan because it's going to distract me. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to make the NHL. I don't care how long it takes or what it's going to take. I'm just going to do it. And that's when I seen the determination. That's when I was like, whoa. And I said, okay, kid, do it. You know, do it. That's and awesome. That's, he took it. And, you know, is that, was that, now what age was that when he told you that? Uh, let's see, he's uh, freshman in high school, probably about 14 years old. So you as a parent, though, so you hear your son say that and, and you know, parents obviously want what's best for their children and they want them to follow the path that's true to their heart. So but how daunting was that for you and your wife to be able to be like, okay, this is the path. And, you know, again, he went to Texas app, you know, that how unconventional is it? And again, just from a, a knowledge standpoint, how daunting was that to be like, we don't know what's next, but you had to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, as I said, life will throw obstacles. It's just how you deal with them. And it's, it's, you know, anxiety is getting away and I understand all that, <laughs> you know, I've dealt with all that too, but yeah, I think his mother was, definitely more worried about it you know what does this mean and and uh, i didn't know what it meant it's like you know he's freshman in high school right uh there was no thought of him going to nhl i mean that was not like I, my idea was if you can make it to a college get a partial scholarship and help pay for college hey that's a success mm -hmm. and so so that was my thinking and i'm like okay go for it you know see what happens and uh you know it's just my purpose was the fallback plan but when he um uh, when he graduated high school, uh, I mean, there was there was one there was a high school coach who was a USHL scout. Everyone knew him in you know that level, but the AAA and the, the scouts didn't know who he was. But everyone at the lower level knew this. Hey, yeah, he's 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 stoned a ton, bunch of teams, so they knew his stats. They knew who he was. Well, this guy set up a tryout out in uh, uh, where was it? Um, uh, Iowa, I think it was Iowa. Yeah, so the USHL team, and so we fly out there and find out, you know, like the goalie coach wasn't even there, mm -hmm. and uh, 
and, and he, he was so he felt so disrespected, you know, and so they put him in a practice and I'm just watching this. I'm like, as a high school kid against USHL players and they do a one on one with the end and he's just stoning these guys. He, he just no one's going to score on him. It just I could see I could see in his body language. because I'm sitting up in the stands, but I could see in the body language that you guys don't know what the hell's happening right now. He, <laughs> you are not going to score on this kid because he's in the, he's in the zone mm-hmm. and and he did. You know, and it was a competition between him and the backup. Whoever, you know, one get to go to the locker room, the other one had to clean up the pucks. And he says, I'm not cleaning up their damn pucks. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, he went in the locker room, got his stuff, talked to the coach briefly and said, let's go, you know. And, and then the coach come out and kind of passed by and gave us a passing, you know, whatever. And I, I, it was, it was disrespectful. And, but I think that planted a seed for him that from there, he says, any opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. Any opportunity to, to to go to another team and try out, he's going to make the most of it, and that's what. So it's probably the best thing that could have happened, you know. They, and uh, he went to Youngstown. He got a tryout at Youngstown, and uh, he, he USHL, and mm-hmm. he he called. He drove down there in our car. He called me up. He says, "Dad, I, you know, I guess I'm coming home." And then he he called me back like five minutes later. He says, "Dad, they want me to stay another day." And I go, holy cow, okay. <laughs> Got a hotel room a whole bit. He went back and, and played their last day of their camp. And then they had to tell him, they said, look, at, we, we didn't know who you were. And you just phenomenal. But we've already picked our three goalies. Otherwise, you'd be here. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on you. And that, I think, planted the seed that he can do it. He knew, he came back from that going, I know what I need to do. And that's when he got the tryout with uh, Odessa. And he went there on the first day just dominated and Joe Clark pulled him off the ice early and said, we should have drafted you because he had that chip on his shoulder too. He wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they pulled, he pulled him off, said, you made the team just go. And he went and got his fishing pole and went fishing. And <laughs> that was in, <laughs> in Minnesota. And then, uh, but then, yeah, then we had to send him to uh, Texas with a host family, which we never did. We never did the traveling. So we didn't know he was 17, you know, and I said, well, there you go, kid. Just make it work. Call me if you need anything, and we'll go from there. And it was a learning experience, but worked out great. He had a great host family, and he went down there and tore it up. That's such an awesome story, and I know that you know people watching live or on the replay podcast, people are going to love hearing that because it shows you, like you said, right? It's, it's that to me. What stands out about that is, like you said, life is going to throw you a lot of different things, and it's about perseverance, right? Connor didn't let the fact that he wasn't drafted. He said, "I'm going to show you." And boy, did he ever show them, because not only did he go on to a great college career, he's, uh, like I said, I'm confident in saying that he's the best goaltender on the planet right now. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Chuck, about the the eight-year contract, because obviously, you know, I'm sure that you don't follow it as much as, you know, us and the media and the fans do. But, you know, there was a lot of speculation about Connor and and Shifley. Were they going to be traded? You know, was this going to be the last year of their contracts? And then in early October... I think it was early October, um, your son and, and Shifley signed the big eight-year contracts. and Seven years, right? It was, it was, was it this year. It was, it's, it's oh, seven sorry. Years. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Chuck. I added a year there. I apologize. <laughs> it's, it, it, you're right. It was seven-year contracts, including this year. He's under contract right. for eight, eight more years. But And again, you, know, you can't speak for Connor, but I mean, that must have been diff- a little bit difficult for him, right? Because you know, there were people speculating and saying this or that but I think Connor was very you know forthright when he said I want to be here and I want to win a Stanley Cup he didn't just say I want to be here he made it clear that you know he wanted to win a Stanley Cup with the Jets 
Yeah, I mean, it, I, I wasn't privy to everything to some of it, and some of it, you know, I'll never share. But um, yeah, there's, you know, that's that's a tough decision for anybody. I know him and Shifley talked. I talked to Brad, his dad, and um, but the bottom line is, he wants a cup. I mean, I just yep. it, he's said it numerous times. It's just there's there's he's playing to win, and that's that's the hell of a trade. You know, it's like losing sucks and. Uh, and it's unacceptable. So you play, you play to win. You do what you ever got to do. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know all the, you know, the business details of everything, who was interested and what the talks were or whatever. But Winnipeg was always part of the discussion. It was never not part of that discussion. And um, when he told me, he's, you know, I, I told him, it's just do what's best for you and your family. And, you know, would I have loved to him be closer? Sure. You know, I'd love to be in the U.S. Sure, that's personal reason, but that's got nothing to do with him. Um, so, so that's what I told him: do what's best for you and your family. And he, you know, he figured it all out, and he saw the potential, and he believes it can be done. And otherwise, he wouldn't be there. And now he's ready to win a cup. So that's it's as simple as that. You know, it's if they didn't have the pieces that he thought could win it, then maybe it would have been different. But um, it's it's just a matter it's it's never easy it's it's you got to have faith and you got to believe but like like he says it's you got to believe that you're winning you got to think like you're winning even when you're losing because if you start thinking about losing then you start doing things like a loser he says you got to think like a winner and the winning will come and when you're winning you keep thinking like that he's just like it's it's what permeates your thinking it's what you do it's what drives you it's what makes things happen that's probably the conf comes across as confidence but it's really it's more of a belief system right that i want to win and today we're going to win and this is what i got to do to win and we won so let's go in the next one you know it's just it's really really simple can come across as cocky overconfident whatever but that's really his thought process that's well, it. and it's interesting. It's interesting you should say that, Chuck, because I remember in games where he would give up, let's say, four goals, five goals, and he'd like, "Well, I like my game. I like the details. I like this." <laughs> and sometimes people would be like, "Really? Like, you know, this is." But you'd hear that, and I mean, again, I and then Connor him. would get a shutout the next game. No, but then, <laughs> but I, and I knew him because I covered him in the AHL, so I knew obviously what he was like with the Moose, and I didn't. I wasn't in St. John, so I didn't cover him in the Ice Caps. But my point is, he understood that. But it's funny because you're right. It's it's unusual. It's an unusual style. Of, of thinking and but you can see it's elevated him to the what he's become because of it yeah and and, and like i i remember that one in new york where um we gave up five go toward the beginning of the season mm-hmm. gave about five goals and he comes off the ice and says tells him i'm gonna win a vesna this year you know? yeah. <laughs> and people looking at him but i i watched that game and and i watched it and i went he was in position he got a few you know, deflections or bad bounces. And, you know, it's all, you'll say it's all excuses, but you watch goaltending enough and I'm by no means an expert, but, but I've watched enough and I'm going, kid, I wouldn't change a damn thing. You were, you were, you were where you're supposed to be a few little whatever's and, 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 you know, you're stopping a bunch of those. And then I read, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, it's got a goalie situation in Winnipeg. <laughs> and I'm like, I just laugh. I just <laughs> laugh. You know, it's like, 
Yeah, right. And I think, like you said, he came back with a shutout or one goal game, whatever. And, you know, it was never a question again. And nothing against, I think Rossois was a goalie. Then nothing against LB. He's, I love LB. He's a great goalie. Mm-hmm. Great goalie. He could be a starter anywhere as far as I'm concerned. So to have both guys as part of the tandem, I, I think it's, it's a winning combination. But uh, yeah, that's, he, he knows his game, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't understand goaltending. Um, I, I certainly will not claim to understand it, but I know more than I think a little more than average. But uh, yeah, no, he, he, only goalies understand goalies, and uh, it's just he knows, he knows, trust him, and he'll figure it out. Yeah, he could write a few textbooks at this point uh, on <laughs> on goaltending. Uh, Chuck, I wanted to ask you, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but um, it was announced recently that there's going to be the uh, Four Nations tournament in in 2025. And then the NHL has announced that they will go to the uh, Winter Olympics in Italy. And yeah, and obviously, I mean, Connor Hellebuck is, I mean, there's going to be a, a couple of excellent American goaltenders facing off tonight because I believe Thatcher Demko is going to play against Connor Hellebuck unless, you know, that that changes. But I mean, Demko is in the conversation as well. Uh, I think Jake Ottinger on Dallas. But just wanted to ask you, is that something that, that Connor's mentioned to you? Or have you guys talked about that at all? Like, because... It's been a while since, like, it's been what since 2016 uh, that we've had uh, best on best at the at the World Cup level or the Olympic level. Uh, is that something Connor has talked to you about at all? Uh, briefly, I mean, we talked about. I I told him I said, if, you know, if you get picked to go to Italy, I'm going. Chuck and I come too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I told my wife, says, you, she don't like to fly, you know, it's a long flight. I says, you don't have to go. She's not as big a hockey fan, but she's always there, always supporting. But um, but as I'm going, <laughs> if my son's, I don't care if he's a backup, I'm from, he's in the Olympics, I'm going, you know. So it's, uh, but yeah, we've talked briefly about it uh, from the past, but it's, um, you know, t- I think in his case, it's like, you know, a, a nice experience, feather in the cap a whole bit, but it still comes back to that same statement. Wants a cup. Yep. <laughs> and uh, if he can win a gold medal, sure. I mean, he, he won uh, with the bronze in um, in the World Cup there several years ago um, and, you know, had a heck of a game. So that was, you know, that was exciting to watch. And unfortunately I couldn't be at that one. So that's why I said, I don't care what's what happened. I'm, I'm going to Italy if, if he gets, if he's called. So, so as far as us talking about it, yeah, it's, you know, it gets talked about, but nothing, sure. Nothing made. It's, it's kind of in the future right now. The focus is play the best he can keep his game going, keep the team going. Let's win. Let's win this. Let's make it to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs and hopefully let's take it right to the cup. That's well, the talk. I suspect that the thousands of folks who are going to listen to this are going to be very happy to hear that kind of talk because that's their focus as well, Chuck. And this is Chuck Hellebuck. He's joining us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning where we start every Saturday talking about the Jets, sometimes about the Moose uh, at 9 o'clock in the morning. Chuck, I wanted to take you back in time because you know we used to go to the drafts every year. Actually, 2012 – Year Connor, yeah, we didn't drafted. go that year. That was, was Pittsburgh, only, right, Dave? That was it was Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah. and it was actually the only year we didn't go yeah. to the draft. We weren't there uh, either. <laughs> and so that was what I was going to ask you. Did you? Did, yeah. did I couldn't remember? Did Connor go? And did you, was there any discussion about that? How how did that set up? And what did it? What was it like when he did get picked? So obviously he didn't go. You guys were probably back in Michigan. But what was it like when he got selected? And what was that process like for your family? Yeah, we like I told you, we didn't understand it, so we didn't know what happened. I mean, he was. 
he, he, he didn't, it was his last year that he was eligible. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, um, we knew there was interest, you know, he had gone to a world cup tryout. He had just, he had, uh, ruptured a spleen, his spleen playing roller hockey just not long before that world cup tour tryout. And he was, he had recovered. It was scary, scary times. And, uh, uh, he, he got himself back in shape to make that tryout. And, um, it was it was kind of pushing a little bit, but he was dead. He was he was nothing's going to stop him, and that's when uh, I knew there was a Winnipeg scout there really probing me because I was watching and he's asking me questions. So I, that was my only inkling. Connor knew, you know, there was a lot of interest, but basically he he was coaching goalies um, in the in the off season, and uh, he was in between training sessions when he got the call. Uh, I was helping my other son, Chris, work on his his car. We were you know, up to our elbows in grease, you know, and, <laughs> and and fixing stuff. And all of a sudden, all our phones just blew up. You know, we weren't even really watching you know, because we were like, you know, we, we didn't know. We really didn't know. You know, it's so our phones blew up. And then we went back and watched up. He's had his interview right there at, at the rink. And uh, then we all went to dinner that night and we're what what just happened <laughs> you know, we were all just in this pleasant shock we went over to his grandparents and and uh we went out to a restaurant you know steakhouse and said <laughs> what happened we don't even know what happened and and just just kind of sat in the glow of the excitement of it all and go okay what happens next you know yeah. we had no idea we had no idea so it was very unorthodox in, in our approach and Probably, you know, maybe you should have done a little more homework and maybe been there, but um, there was no indication that mm -hmm. that would happen, you know, and it's just, it's just another step in the unorthodox way he got to the NHL, I guess. And so what did you know about Winnipeg before he got drafted, if anything? And then were you kind of like, well, okay, now we got to figure out this Winnipeg thing. Yeah, well, I knew, you know, I knew about Winnipeg 1.0 um, and then and moving and then I knew that the team had come back, but it didn't really follow it that much. So I'm like, wait, where's Winnipeg? Isn't that north of, that's cold there, isn't it? <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and so, yeah, but they're like, okay, yeah. You know, then I started, oh yeah, I know this team, you know, recognized players and that, but it's, you know, we were solid Red Wings fans and mm -hmm. um, the focus was always battling with, you know, Colorado and, and Chicago and the whole bit uh, more, you know, East coast type stuff. So, so we didn't see Winnipeg that often. So we didn't know much about it. So, um, so yeah, when, when uh, he got called to, he got called to fly up for training camp, we had to rush and get him a passport. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I've been there many times now. Of course, he lives there, and and uh, it's just it. The city has treated him, you know, the, him and his family so good, and treat us good when we're there. And uh, it's become kind of a you know second home. So uh, it's it's been an experience. It's been really good, and uh, nothing but good things to say about Winnipeg. Yeah, I think uh, you already know this, but your son is well. You're kind of a big deal as well in Manitoba. <laughs> Both of you guys. Not sure who's the bigger star now, but we just have a few more questions for you. We want to ask you about 3D printing because that's actually something that fascinates me. I don't know a lot about it, but we want to ask you about how you got into that and, and Filament Friday and everything like that. But I, I also wanted to go back because I, I messaged you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we wanted to get you on for the during the All-Star break 
but you were you mentioned to me that you were on uh, vacation, and I just wanted to you know, just go back a couple weeks. And uh, I'm not sure how much you caught of the All Star Game, but I mean, just how nice was that for you though to watch your son? Because obviously, you know, like you mentioned, we talked about earlier, the regular season's a grind, right? And you you want to get into the playoffs and go on, on a nice Stanley Cup run. But for Connor, that must have been such a nice break. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, he probably would have liked to go to Costa Rica or Mexico or something like that as well. But uh, I'm sure for him it was an, an honor and just, you know, nice to be, you know, around all the, you know, the pomp and the circumstance of, of the All-Star break. Sure. Um, I mean, this was his fourth, I think his fourth All-Star. And I've been to the, I've been to the three previous. Um, we actually scheduled, um, we were in Disney. I, I got a big you know, two-bedroom suite for us to enjoy that week off, and uh, we had scheduled that way ahead of time. And his his sister and her fiance were coming in like midweek, so it, you know it was time to hang with the grandchildren and go to Disney, you know, go to Magic Kingdom a whole bit, enjoy some sunshine, and, uh, and then of course he got the nod, and then he had, he had to leave early, and he's like, "Well, Dad, you coming?" And I go, "I think I'm staying here in the sunshine." <laughs> But it was because his sister was coming in, you know, and I couldn't just say I, I had the room and everything. But it was like, um, no, it was it was uh, I think it was more fun for him in many ways because his son, Hugh, is, uh, uh, you know, he just a hockey nut. The kid just he's if he keeps going, he's going to be another hockey player because he just loves the sport. And so I think it was a lot of fun for him to take Hugh around behind the scenes. And uh, I, I saw a joy in him that I didn't see at the previous ones. I mean, always happy to be there, but it's just to take his son around. And, and of course, his wife and daughter, you know, to Andrew and, and, and Violet. It's, it's just it was a family thing. And uh, it was great. My brother went in my place and Andrew's dad was there his first time. So I think it was a great experience for everybody involved. And, uh, but yeah, he's, he, that was special because he took his son around. All right. Well, Chuck, I'm going to ask you a hard hitting question as he's going to ask you about the 3d printing, but I got to ask you this one. First of all, it's a two parter though. Number okay. one, who got uh, Connor into fishing? Was that a thing from you? And <laughs> and the second part is you said your son, Chris, is a becoming a professional bass fisherman. And you spoke about how competitive your family is when you're playing Monopoly or Risk or anything like that. I can understand that sentiment for the record. So if that's the case, when Connor and Chris are fishing together in the summer, what is that like when those two are competing on the boat? Um, so your first question, as far as the fishing, their grandfather, my 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 father-in-law got him into fishing um when they were young they'd go fish grandpa would take him out fishing i drove the boat i like driving i like racing the cars and stuff i'd like i'll drive the boat <laughs> so i'm so i'm i scanned the lake you know looking for drop offs whatever you guys want to go to that spot well i'm okay get you there um and then i'd help you know put the bait on the line when they were younger and a whole bit but no i i honestly i love the tournaments i've done a few tournaments with them i love it because it's a a window you, it's a challenge you know there's the challenge right mm -hmm. got how many how many uh how big a fish to get five to keep and you know how big a fish can you catch i love that but as far as just going out fishing i find it boring as can be and <laughs> and they love it they just love it so but you said about um yeah chris is real they're real competitive he's trying to make it but it, when they're in the summer they really don't fish against each other rarely they often team up mm. uh be, there'll be a two-man tournament and they just they kill it. I mean, it's, it's, they show up at a tournament in most cases, it's like a oh, crap, the Hellebuck brothers are here and, <laughs> and they've, you know, they've won several tournaments. Um, 
they have competed against each other. And Connor has actually admitted to me, he says, dad, I almost can't keep up with Chris anymore. He's gotten so good. Um, you know, knows how to, how to switch, you know, they got 14 different poles with different lures and, you know, they know what they're, they're doing, but yeah, he's, I almost can't compete with them anymore. He's, um, so, so it's, if they, if they tend to compete together and then we'll go to the weigh-ins and it's just fun. It's just, <laughs> it's fun to watch. They're usually in the top three and, and, uh, do pretty well. They do pretty well. So. If they, yes. if they, if they cross paths with big buff, because big buff, you see him around Lake of the woods and he's winning tournaments and everything like that. Um, they, have they ever got together fishing or is buff oh, yeah. given your son tips or anything? Oh yeah. Well, well buff got Connor into ice fishing up there in Manitoba, uh -huh. Manitoba. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, he still talks to him. Connor, Connor keeps in touch with buff and awesome. I think they've organized some fishing time. I think Chris, uh, has come up there and gone fishing with him before. Awesome. Uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember first time I met Buff, he, it was a first dad trip and he comes racing in the morning. He comes, sits down at the table and he wanted to talk fishing. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, it's his grandpa, not me. <laughs> I, I think I saw the biggest disappointment on Buff's face. You know, like, oh, crap. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> we had, we had, he's a great guy. I had a great time talking to him, but, uh, yeah, I lost a few points there because I, I wasn't big into fishing. <laughs> I love it. His, his buffs love for fishing is, is absolutely legendary, right? Like I yeah. think that's the only time you see buff is when, you know, he's, he's caught a fish or something like that, or so that's pretty awesome. And yeah, just final question. Just wanted to ask you about uh 3d printing because, uh, you know, it's not something you know, it's a, a relatively new thing, right? It's in the last, you know, 10, 10 years or so, 15 years or so, you would know better than I would. But I just wanted to ask you kind of how you got into that. And you've become not only an international influencer in the hockey world, but I know you've got a big fault. I think you have like, I want to say 300,000 or something Almost, yeah. like it's huge. I mean, uh, can you also help us get there to 300,000? Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're about to hit 6,000, Chuck, and we've been around for 15 years uh, doing this hockey show. But uh yeah, just how did you how did you get into it and uh like like where did the love for this come from because it's obviously something that's only going to grow and grow and grow yeah well actually it's been around for a long time um probably about 40 years it's the original stereo yeah, i didn't know that machines the big ones you know yeah. so i worked at ford and that's where we i first saw it and i was like oh this is really cool but it's kind of like computers you know they're big took up rooms and eventually we got home computers well now about 10 years ago 10 12 years ago we got home 3d printers and that's really the 10 years you're talking about where anyone could then do it and uh i my my background is electronics i've done a lot of electronics my day jobs electronics uh, i've written 10 books on electronics and and the books were starting to die off so i says well i'm going to do this youtube stuff and do show people you know how to program and how to build electronics and and, and you know kind of share my hobby and uh, like everyone kind of does on, on youtube and the electronics was it was difficult to teach um at least at that point and everyone wanted to know about the 3d printer that i had because the 3d printer i have for printing the boxes or brackets or whatever and I was constantly fixing it because back then the, the printers just weren't that good. So I started showing people how I fixed it. And those those videos just took off. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll just do 3D printing. It's fun, you know. And and then it just I reached a point where it was about four years in, the channel was kind of flat. And there's a new printer that came out, a real low-cost printer that everyone's interested in. I had one and I started showing how to improve that thing. And that's when the channel just exploded because I hit the right topic at the right time mm -hmm. and had the four years of experience prior, you know, and then I just 
to help people get started. And then it, that's they, it's the Ender. The Ender was the, the name of the printer. It's an Ender 3. And people started calling me the Ender Whisperer because I knew everything <laughs> about it. And and then, then from there, I just grew the you know the social media, just being around that, being around people. And you guys, there's so many big YouTubers that I know personally. And, and you just get tips from everybody. And um, you go hang out at the same kind of meetups and stuff. And it just it just takes time, you know, but it's uh, it just grows on its own. It gets a life of its own and then, you know, the subscribers and views and everything else comes. And that's, so I've been doing this 10 years, 10 years. I've been doing the 3D printing. I'm actually trying to get electronics back into it because um, the printers have now gotten really good. You don't need my help that much. So <laughs> well, Chuck, well, feel free, feel free to mention a legal curve on filament Friday and maybe get us a few subscribers. We <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate you telling us uh, more about your son, more about yourself, uh, and, of course, the international influence you wielded uh, on the dad's trip. Chuck, thank you very much for joining us uh, today yeah, on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. There right. he goes. That's Chuck Hellebuck, of course, father of Connor Hellebuck, who uh, is doing his thing probably tonight. Well, we know tonight. he's starting tonight. I mean, is, I'm expecting we'll... it to be Hellebuck versus Demko. Well, you would be expecting right because Rick Bonus confirmed yesterday that uh, Connor Hellebuck would be starting. Well, he didn't confirm it 100%. He kind of looked, as he indicated to Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press that uh, he was on the right track when he asked about Connor starting today. So, uh, 